you ready to take your writing to the next level? Then welcome to the Book Editor Show. Join Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley each week as they teach you all the tips, tools, and techniques you need to move your book from manuscript to market. Visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books, and extras to make your old novel better than ever. Now, please welcome Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley. Welcome to the Book Editor Show. Today, we're discussing writing and editing dialogue. I'm Leslie Watts, standing in for Clark Chamberlain. And in a world plagued by on-the-nose and rapid-fire dialogue, with tags that excessively employ adverbs, one man has gone to the ends of the earth, battling Komodo dragons, Siberian tigers, and polar bears to find the true secret of writing and editing dialogue that is full of tension, conflict, and awesome sauce. That man is my friend and the book editor show co-host, Peter Turley. Peter, how are you today? <laughs> Talking about awesome sauce, the, uh, that, that intro is pretty awesome sauce. Clark's going to have a, a bit of a challenge on his hand when he uh, returns from his part-time good guy gig, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, um, it was a treat. I was looking forward to that part the most. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, yesterday you were you were pretty excited about it, so I've, I've been thinking about it for at least twenty four hours. So it was worth the wait, anyway. <laughs> oh, good, good. So, um, so today we're talking about um, dialogue. Uh, we're going to be talking about a few um, pitfalls um, that are quite easy to fall into when writing dialogue. Um, how you should structure dialogue. Um, including punctuation, and then a few tips um, that you can take away when you're writing and going back and editing um, your dialogue. Um, so we were discussing um, off air, weren't we, that um, one of the major pitfalls of dialogue um, can be using dialogue um, as exposition. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about um, what that might mean for anyone that sort of you know doesn't really know what what that could be? Yeah. So I think it comes in, you know, different varieties, but one thing that happens is you get the, um, as you know, Bob, uh, this button transforms the whatever thing. And, (laughs) you know, I'm not, I'm not, I should have written a fun example, but the point is that, um, is that you're, the only purpose for the dialogue is to give some information. It's not, um, it's not revealing character. It's not um, doing anything else like showing an um, you know, a reaction to something that's happened. It's just, oh, I need this information conveyed and I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff. Yeah. It's more for the, for the author than for the the character. I think a good way to to, to spot that is when, um, kind of the example like you've just given when a character is saying what saying something to another character that that character would already know <laughs> so right. you know i think if, if you spot that in the dialogue then yeah because it's not always like we don't set out and be like oh i think i'm going to use this as a little shortcut <laughs> to to get something across sometimes we do it like unconsciously and we don't realize we're doing it because it's easy to do isn't it it's easy to to slip out a bit of backstory or um, to, to just tell the reader something that we think they need to know and use dialogue to do that. So it's not like we're always doing it on purpose, but um, 
it's it's really common, isn't it? It's, this is something that happens like all over the place. I bet. Like, I mean, as an editor, do, is this something you see a lot? Yeah, yeah, I see it, and and I think what happens is that um, that people know, oh, I'm not supposed to do an info dump. You know, I'm not supposed to tell all of this, and that dialogue is action essentially is showing. So, um, so I'm going to go, you know, like this is better and it is better, but you also have to be, you know, like, yeah, you have to go back through it and, um, and, uh, find that stuff and take it out. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Like, um, sort of thinking, you know, okay, writing 101, I'm told to avoid info dump and it's dialogue so it so it by default it can't be an info dump or it can't be exposition but but it can <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It, def- it definitely <laughs> takes a, a trained eye to to spot when that's happening <laughs> yeah yeah it's easier to spot in other people's work though i will say because um because i'm guilty of it as well <laughs> yeah definitely and i think it's especially i mean if if you can get in the habit of not doing this during the writing process, then that's great. And you're, you're really well on your way. Um, but this, de- this definitely applies to the editing process because it is hard to, to spot. Um, and obviously we'll talk about some tips later on in how you can, you can look for certain things uh, within your dialogue. I think uh, another major pitfall, and again, and, and this is, this is something I've seen a lot and done is using the same voice for all dialogue. Um, mm. Now I know using voice is a tricky thing, but some it can be easily done. Where all the dialogue kind of, if we took it out of the book and just had it on a page, we wouldn't necessarily be able to know which character was speaking because it, it's just this generic like dialogue way of of writing. Um, do you ever see anything like that? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and honestly, in in writing, that that it's really hard for me to give people other people distinct voices or you know different characters distinct voices and i definitely see it in the um manuscripts i edit that you know that you just get on a roll and you're not um i i think this is how it happens that you get on a roll and that you don't you haven't um you don't have you may not have the characters distinguished in your head you know, in terms of how they speak differently and, and that kind of thing. And so everybody, yeah, ends up using the same words, using the same phrases and, um, and sounding a lot the same. Right. Right. So, so this is something that can happen mainly if you don't, you've not fully fleshed out your character or, you know, you don't know your character well enough. So perhaps, um, spending some time, you know, creating character sheets and, and really getting, into the head of your character and making sure you know the motivations can help to avoid this. Because I think that uh, it's important to remember that, and it's the same for us as well as (laughs) like characters in a book. Generally when we speak, it's because we want something and there's a, there's a reason to us speaking. And I think it's important to sort of consider that, you know, to avoid in this pitfall that, you know, what is it, what is personal to this character? You know what they're going to be speaking for a different reason than the the other person that they have or persons that they're having a conversation with um so I think that's a good way to to just get more into that mind of the, each character individually um obviously 
you don't want to go too overboard and be like with accents and dialects and think, you know, okay, so I want to make it clear that this one character speaking, so I'm going to, you know, have them speak with a Southern drawl in every word that I write, which just makes the whole prose quite difficult to get through. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, um, I think that, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love accents as much as the next girl, but, uh, but it can be in the text. It can be really distracting. And so I think, yeah, it's, if we think of it as, you know, like the cayenne pepper in the, in the dish and you only want just a little tiny bit of it when you want to show that somebody has, uh, a, you know, a particular dialect or a particular accent, just, you know, one or two words, let that settle in the reader's mind. And then for the most yeah. part, write it normally. That's a, that's a great sort of analogy to think of it as sky <laughs> and pepper. You know, you're really not going to want too much of it because they made me think though that that's kind of like when you have, you're writing a character and you're like, right, I'm going to make this character really unique and quirky. So you give them loads of like, traits you know maybe it's like a nervous tick or a way they walk or um, you know in, in 50 shades of gray i think is the characters the characters famously always biting her lip <laughs> and, it, and it's sort of like what would this person actually look like in real life if they did all of these things all of the time <laughs> you know like if they yeah. had all of these ticks and traits they'd just look like they'd be they'd, they'd become a caricature so to speak <laughs> right right and no one would yeah, everyone would just walk away. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not going to interact with you. <laughs> it's like uh, they're speaking with an accent all the time. It's like, okay, we know that you know, we know you're Scottish, or we know we know where you're from. <laughs> right, we get it. You can lay off. <laughs> yeah, because because obviously, dialogue still got to be accessible, right? It's still got to be as easy to read um, as, as the rest of as the book or the the rest of the. The work needs to be really. Um, I think our we agreed on our, our third pitfall. Some is, and this is a bit general, but we'll, we'll get into sort of what we mean by this. Is um, is weak dialogue, and when our dialogue's weak, or you know, we're, we're not too confident in the character, or there's a particular reason why it's coming across weakly, and, and we tend to over overcompensate with um, our toolbox, and we'll whip out. You know, we'll use beats too often. We'll use a variety of different tags in order to strengthen our dialogue. And, you know, this is this is easily done because um, on first pass, it, it does strengthen the dialogue. And, you know, because we kind of, a tag could be used to assist the sentence. You know, it, it gives it a bit more power in sort of conveying to the reader, like what, what way this was said, you know. So was right. it said angrily, you know, was it said shyly or, or anything like that? And I'm guessing this is something that you see quite often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that this is, um, this is rough draft material and it's also, you know, it's writing 1.0 because as we're, you know, as we're writing, we, um, you know, like we're picturing it in our mind and we maybe don't want to like, we're trying to get through the scene. And so we're just the, the adverb or the, you know, the elaborate, um, beats, you know, can be the, um, the bookmark for when we come back later. Um, the important thing is to do is to go through 2.0 and 3.0 and, um, and edit those things out and make sure that the, that the speech is strong 
um, and that you're, that it's, um, that it reveals character, that it's, you know, that it can stand on its own, that you don't need, um, the, uh, like you don't want to draw attention to the tag and to the adverb. You want to draw attention to the speech. Yeah. I think you, um, you had a, a, a great quote from, um, James Scott Bell saying, if you think of speech as action, it will keep you from writing soggy in a dialogue. Uh, speech as action reminds you that characters talk in fiction because they want to further their own ends. And it, and it is that, that idea that kind of strengthens the dialogue. Um, cause you, you wrote some pretty funny, um, things about on the nose dialogue. Um, mm -hmm. so, so what, what do you mean by, um, on the nose dialogue? Yeah. So on the nose is like, Hey, how are you doing? And, uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah. Which I'm are things that we do actually say. We do. I mean, that's the thing, you know, um, the, the point is, of course, in fiction, we're trying to cut away the stuff that doesn't support the story, doesn't add to the story. And so two characters speaking just to speak with no, um, with, you know, with no, reason with no um story reason it's boring and it's you know if we want that we can go you know talk to whomever we encounter in the world and <laughs> what we want in the in a story is we want a very well-crafted experience and that means that every piece of dialogue is in there for a reason not just because we need somebody to say something yeah yeah it's it's kind of like you know you can think of dialogue almost as its own scene in the sense that when you're editing mm -hmm. the, often in first drafts, we can, ha we, we can need to write our way into a scene just so that the scene gets out, you know, so that we, we just, that we get through it. And then when we go back, you know, sometimes we might look at it and we might think, okay, how late into this scene can I actually start? You know, can I, can I cut a load like a page or a paragraph before the real action happens? And I think it's the mm -hmm. same with dialogue and, you know, if we see these on the nose things like, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. That, you know, maybe what's happened is, you know, you're just writing your way into the dialogue and you're writing your way into the action as you would have seen. So think of it like that and, you know, look at the dialogue and think, okay, so where is the action happening or where is the real motivation taking place? Where, you know, and, and what can I get rid of sort of around that to leave me with this really distilled dialogue that's a lot stronger uh, without these these things right yeah yeah I totally agree can get to the point and the and that that is the way you know that a lot of times that um sort of throat clearing is how we get to the heart of the scene and the heart of what these people want to say and so it's a it's a natural thing to have this and to have it in the first draft um and then it's just a process of finding it and and getting down to the the meat of it so to speak yeah i mean you, you know you definitely don't want to have a standard of yourself which is i i never do this because we'd never get through first drafts if if we <laughs> held ourselves to that standard this this right you know we i know we say it several times but this applies to editing and you know this is when the real magic happens and you know we look for these things and, and we get used to spotting them a little more easily each time hopefully um so let's talk a little bit about um structure now and how how we can um 
kind of structure dialogue differently. Um, so we, we, we mentioned tags before, um, mm -hmm. and so, so let's talk about what a, what a tag is, which, which ones are better to use and perhaps were exactly in the sentence they should be, or were in the dialogue they should be. Yeah. So, um, so the tag is the thing that identifies who's speaking. So it's, um, generally said, you know, Fred said, um, <laughs> Of course, you can get really you can get really elaborate, and um, you can say you know, uh, Susie growled or hissed or you know it's <laughs> there's a there's a wide range of what you can do. But again, going back to what you said earlier, it's more important for the that the tag disappear into the you know, into the background because the, the, what you want the reader to get is the speech and what, you know, what the character is saying. So having an, a, this kind of elaborate or fancy dialogue tag, um, that, that it's, um, it distracts the reader. So you want to, you know, use said as much as possible, um, and have the, um, and the tag generally goes after the um, the speech, unless you've got somebody, unless it's not completely clear who it, who is speaking, and then you might put it like after the first sentence. That's um, what James Scott Bell recommends: is that you put it, you put the tag. If you have a long speech, you put the tag after the first sentence, and then continue um, the the speech so that the reader easily knows who it is, but that, um, it doesn't come, if it comes before it can be a little distracting though. It's certainly fine in, in certain contexts. Yeah. And I think also, um, cause structure is something that we can use as well, um, to, to make it more pleasurable to write and also more pleasurable to read. And I know you have a, um, a quick sheet on punctuating dialogue that has some great examples of different ways that you can structure sentences. And I think it's good. It, you know, it is great to mix it up sometimes just to, um, just for a little bit of freshness. I mean, obviously you don't want sort of, you know, to write every line of dialogue differently and to just right. not have a, 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 an author style or a writing style, mm -hmm. but you know, maybe every now and then it can just sort of help keep it a little fresh to in, to include one of these things and I think we'll include this in the in, in the show notes so people can check it out because that's a really helpful uh, worksheet that you've you've put together there yeah um, so do we do we always need dialogue tags so obviously we can put them at the end we can put them after the first sentence can we get rid of them altogether? yeah I mean when it's clear who is speaking then you don't need to have a dialogue tag every time. It's really, um, it's really a functional piece of the dialogue sentence that is, you know, you use it when it, when you, yeah, when there would be confusion and otherwise you can cut it, um, which, oh, you know, some people might be, um, concerned about, but I think, um, as long as it's clear from the context who's speaking, then, it's um, not necessary. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a great sort of exercise, you know, maybe when editing one chapter is kind of think, okay, you know, I'm going to be on the lookout for when I can omit tags entirely. Um, 
and I'm, you know, so I'm going to take on this chapter or this scene. I'm going to look at my dialogue and I'm going to think, is it clear who's speaking? Um, obviously without excessively using beats or, you know, it, but from the scene, maybe there's only two people there. Um, is it clear? And, you know, can I get rid of the tag? Because by getting rid of it where you can afford to, I think that means that you can be more liberal when you need to. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, without sort of just having dialogue tags everywhere all the time, <laughs> which is why it is, I think, important to try and stick with said as often as you can. Um, just because it's safer and because we use them so much, it's it, it does help not to draw attention to them in that way, I think. Um, yeah. We mentioned um, rapid fire dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what's that? Yeah, so rapid fire dialogue is where you have just, you know, he said, she said, he said, she said, you know, like you have, it's it's just dialogue sentence after dialogue sentence after dialogue sentence nothing is happening otherwise um you know the people aren't having an internal reaction your point of view character is not having an internal reaction and nobody's really doing anything and it makes it speeds the scene up so sometimes you might want to you know have a moment um you know a small section where you do have a lot of dialogue kind of stacked up but for the most part you want to be weaving in bits of the setting bits of um action and um to make it a more like it's a tapestry not um not just a list sort of that's not yeah. a very good <laughs> i'm not sure that works but uh... I, can, I can imagine it yeah so it's it's you know it's weaved into the sentences amongst beats and description you know, it's mm-hmm. not just this big thin column, you know, bordered by white space that, and you know, you that can be almost as eye rolling as, you know, when you see a big thick page with no white space and you're like, oh, this page ain't going to be too much fun to read. <laughs> just right? as you see like a, a big list of dialogue, you're like, okay, you know, brace yourself for a, a, a just a, an utter back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's almost like you, the reader feels breathless at the end of a passage like that, as um, as if they were having to read it all out loud. So, yeah, yeah totally agree. I think, um, like anything, you know, because obviously we don't ever want to say, never do this. Um, you know, it, it has its place and it's about mm-hmm. figuring out when you want to use these to your advantage. And I think, you know, if you're trying to build... Um, increase the pace of a scene, then this can be really effective um, to do in, in short bursts. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. if there's a, maybe if there's an argument, you know, you might see a little bit of this. Um, so again, it's going to happen. And I think it is important to just consider, you know, what, what when do I want to use this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you talked, um, you've mentioned a couple of times having excessive um, descriptive beats and how that can be distracting to the reader as well. Yeah. I mean, um, so, I, th- I mean, if we talk about what a, what a beat is, um, a, I mean, a beat is kind of where we can't, we, we sort of punctuate the dialogue with something that happens. So um, a character doing something, um, interacting with the scene around them, um, so, I mean, and there's, a, there's loads of examples of this on a, the sheet that we're going to put in the 
in the show notes. Um, and but they can be used effectively um, to add variation and, like you say, to weave this tapestry of dialogue. Um, but again, this is something that can really be overused. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you, have you got any um, any examples, or can you, you know, is this something that you see sort of in in a lot of um, writing that you edit, um, people using beats too much, um, and like we mentioned earlier, perhaps to, to strengthen dialogue. Because I think this is something that is is quite hard to do well. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I will find um, it mixed in with the dialogue often is um, a lot of uh, like stage direction type descriptive beats where um, the you know, the person will say something and then they do like five things in order that wouldn't necessarily be like, it would be better, like it would be better to compress those things and to like pick like one or two actions that, um, that reveal character or reveal how the person is feeling or how they're reacting to what's being said and that kind of thing. And so you want to, you do want to limit that and make sure that it's, if it's, you know, make sure it's necessary and make sure it's supporting the scene and conveying this, what you need to convey for the story. Yeah, really well said. I think um, that quote comes to mind. I can't, I can't remember for the life of me uh, where it's from. You know, the one about the, the gun in the room. So if you put, if you put a gun in a room, um, oh, someone yeah. better use it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I I'm think that, Nabokov? I don't know. I can't remember. I wouldn't. Yeah. Want to miss- <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to misquote it. But um, it, it's kind of like that, and I think that applies to beats, you know, as well. And if you know, if a character's interacting with something in the middle of dialogue, and you know, then this thing should be important. Really, it should, you know come into the scene as the scene moves along and, and not just the, you know, the walking around the room, like picking everything up and doing all these things that are irrelevant really. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it, it I guess it's the functional equivalent of, of um, the on the nose dialogue. It would be, you know, it's like on the nose descriptive beats. Yes. People do that, but is it important to the story? Probably not a lot of it. But again, yeah. it's that, you know, stuff that's left over from the first draft that we're, you know, we put in because we're working our way through it. Yeah. So, you, you know, you wouldn't have a character kind of talking away, but while they're talking, they, they rub at the shoulder or something. And, and you think, oh, you know, is this a, an important injury or is this something we're going to, that's going to come out? But then nothing comes of it. It's just something that the character did for yeah. no real reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think remembering that w- when we mention those things, like some little action, some little thing that, that the, um, that the reader is kind of holding that in their head as a sort of open loop. Um, and so if we give them too many things to hold like that, that aren't important, then, um, then we're sort of taxing their ability to enjoy the story. Yeah, and we're also, I think, training them to miss um, important plot points later on. So when right. we do drop something in, they're kind of like, meh, that doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll just disregard it. I don't have yeah. a, you know, like, I don't have a plan. I don't have a, a, 
that's exactly what it should be like in the, especially in the beginning, you should be training the reader to notice what they're supposed to notice. And then that way they will pick up on those, all of those things that you want them to pick up on. And yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, move forward, um, cautiously and use them sparsely with this, I think is, is the key. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so punctuating, um, dialogue, um, Obviously, we've talked about different structures we can use. And I mean, generally, it's it's the same rules of punctuation, really, isn't it, that, that we would follow, you know, with any other line that we would write within the book. Right. Yeah. So um, the uh, and it's not very exciting. It doesn't translate well to audio, uh, <laughs> which is why <laughs> which is why we have the punctuation sheet, the dialogue punctuation sheet to help out with this. But yeah. um but yeah, it's, um, there are, so if you, it's, it's a dialogue sentence and the dialogue sentence consists of the speech, which is in quotation marks, which is joined to the tag, which is also part of that sentence. Um, you know, uh, generally with a comma, but sometimes with a question mark, because, um, you know, if it's an act, if it's a question, um, and then the descriptive beat as well is often part of that sentence. But if all you have is the, um, if you have the speech and then a descriptive beat, those are two separate sentences. If the, it's the dialogue tag that pulls them together and makes them one sentence. Um, so, and then of course there's variation um, with uh, the, in the UK, you all do it. Uh, you have, you use single quotes, right? Yeah. And oftentimes the, the comma, where the comma and the period goes in dialogue is more about function rather than about, um, about, you know, like we just, as a, in, in the States, as a matter of course, we put commas and periods inside the quotation marks. Whereas in the UK English, it's more, um, it's more functionally based and often appears outside. Yeah. And I think, you know, head over and look at that sheet for a really, you know, in, in-depth in look at this. Because um, obviously, you know, we don't, with punctuation, we don't want to take away, um, you know, artistic license and being able to have, you know, to break some of these rules consciously and stylistically. Um, but obviously, like any rule, you you need to know it before you you choose to break it. So I think you know, a good thing to do is to take a book that you're reading or a book that you like and, you know, just look at the dialogue and look at how it's written, how it's punctuated. And that's the, that's the best way to learn these things really. Um, and because spell checkers and things can be a little bit of a nightmare sometimes with, um, especially if you're trying to make a stylistic choice. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, just pick up, pick up a book and, um, and look through these things. Um, so I think I've got a couple of tips here that, you know, you can take away and just to sort of help when you're, you're looking over your dialogue and you're trying to think, what what am I looking for and what can I do? I think one of the, the great places to start firstly is to to check the strength of the dialogue by removing all tags and beats and, and considering how well the dialogue stands just on its own. I think that's like a great first move to think, to to troubleshoot. Um, your, your dialogue. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you strip it down, is it, does it make sense? Is it important? And, um, yeah, for sure. Um, I would also add, um, that you'd want to, um, take us, do us definitely do one pass through your manuscript where all you're looking at is the dialogue so that you're not, so that you're focusing on it and not, um, getting distracted by other things. Um, and then definitely reading it aloud. Of course, I'm a fan of reading the whole manuscript aloud, but particularly the dialogue and how does it sound to your mind's ear. It's easier to tell how it sounds to your mind's ear if you read it aloud. So I think that those, yeah, that I would definitely recommend doing both of those. Yeah, reading aloud is a powerful tool. And I think even more so is like reading aloud and recording it and then listening mm. back, you know, and you Maybe you, you don't have to do this for the whole thing, but even just a scene, you know, this can work pretty well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm writing that one down because <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> that's, a, that's something I do with, especially with opening scenes and openings um, and to see how how powerful it is and, you know, how much it's drawing you in and how engaging it is. And I think... It's always fun to do it in a little bit of an accent and to and and to and to re, to listen to it back and you know to just see how how it sounds how you know how would this sound as an audiobook you know would it is it does it sound like you think it sounds when you're writing it because sometimes there can be a disparity there and this is the only way you're really going to figure that out I think and it's yeah. fun <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it, it's funny you mentioned audio book um you know thinking about that considering that because um because recently I was editing a manuscript and I knew I knew that it was going to be eventually an audiobook and um and I saw you know places where I thought oh those consonants together are going to be hard to say and so um and that made me think there are probably other things that the audiobook uh, narrators are, you know, like, oh, I wish they wouldn't do this. And uh, so I'm planning to talk to a few of them in the near future to get some tips on how to edit your book for audiobooks, which is an aside, but but it's just an interesting thing to think about. Like, um, as you move from writing 1.1 and or 1.0 to 2.0 and 3.0, like the more things that you consider and the um, the tighter your manuscript becomes and the better it, um, it delivers your story. So. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. Um, so yeah, I think, um, that, that about wraps me up for, uh, for dialogue. Do you have anything, anything else you want to add? Um, probably, I mean, I could talk about this for a long time, but, <laughs> uh, but let me say, um, one last thing. I'm looking at my thing. Oh, yeah. Um, one other thing is to look at the balance of dialogue and not dialogue. So there's the, you know, dialogue that is um, ex- there. You have rapid fire dialogue and you have dialogue with uh, um, with too much, um, too, too many descriptive beats. But then on the page, make sure your scenes are um, have a good amount of dialogue in them 
um, to, uh, to balance out the rest of the action and exposition. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's an important, and that's one I'd, I'd not considered really. Yeah. You know, am I, am I underusing or overusing it? So much to think about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, try not to be overwhelmed. Take, take one yeah. thing at a time. I think, you know, you, we can, it's, it's, it's good to go through and just pick one of these things, like, you know, like mm-hmm. anything and, and, and work on one thing at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Cause yeah, it can be overwhelming. Oh, I have to do this and I have to watch out for this and I have to edit this out. And then, yeah, it's just one step at a time. Improve yeah. one thing. Yeah. Cause yeah. That, that's just, that's a good way to just miss things. I think if you, if you take too, too much on and that's why we have second edits, <laughs> right? <laughs> multiple passes <laughs> don't take key. just one pass at that manuscript it's worth another <laughs> yeah, you're worth it <laughs> <laughs> okay well if you like the show please leave us a review on itunes a plus on google or a like on youtube and if you're an editor who'd like to be a guest on the show stop by thebookeditshow.com and drop us an email i'm peter surley and for our co-host leslie watts keep writing keep learning and build a better book Thank you for listening and come back next week for more. Please visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books and extras, and for information on how to be a guest on the show.